Good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, my name is Ty. I'm the uh, youth director here at Grace Baptist Church. Uh, last week, well, actually in June, pastor asked me if uh, I could preach while he was away in August for his daughter's wedding, uh, Lydia. And I said, no, I can't. We're going on vacation, and I won't be here that week. And that's before I caught COVID-20, uh, which is the advanced version of COVID-19. And uh, I got tested. It was negative, so it must be COVID-20, right? Um, so he's like, oh, well, that's all right. Well, you just come back. Uh, we'll have you preach in the fall. And I said, yeah, that sounds good. So last Sunday morning before the service, he comes up to me. He's like, you're ready to preach next week, right? And I'm like, uh, okay. And yeah, yeah, here we are. So, And I just wanted him to know that technically fall doesn't start till Tuesday. So he tricked me. I was not ready at all. Um, but pastor's in Texas this week. Uh, he's down at Pastor Nathan's church, I think, if that's right. And he's doing his uh, Baptist history curriculum down there. So pray for him while he's there. And if you're visiting today, I really hope you get to come back next week and hear him uh, preach. He has a, an immense love for God's word and a much better ability to uh, communicate God's word than I do. So today you're stuck with me, though, so hopefully we'll get along. Uh, Pastor mentioned last week uh, in his announcement that I was preaching today that I was just going to give you a typical style uh, teaching lesson that we do in the youth group on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings for Sunday school. So that's kind of what I've done. I've taken our curriculum book, and this one is about David and the life and times of David. And I'm just going to go through this as my sermon this morning, uh, kind of the way we do in the youth group. So you get to be uh, 14 again for the morning, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, if you were here the last time I preached, last August, uh, we talked about the uh, Serving the king, how David served Saul, even despite the fact that Saul was trying to kill him repetitively. So we're going to pick up right where we left off uh, from that lesson as though you just came the next Sunday. So it's pretty cool. Uh, so get your notes out from the last time and we'll pick up right there. But as a way to introduce uh, the theme for today's lesson, I have a little bit of backstory about myself. Uh, going all the way back to 1999... When I graduated from one of the Ivy League schools in the Miami County, Edison Community College, anyone out there? Woo, okay. I was able to squeeze two-year degree, now this is pretty impressive, all the way down to five years, so I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> I did graduate. And the funny thing is, I got hired at the place where I worked for 14 years after that, before I even graduated. I was like, why did I even go to school? I should have just said I went to school, and then I would have been okay. It's about the same. At the end of 99, though, I had been dating a girl that I met from high school for maybe four or five years, and we were getting pretty serious, and so we got engaged, and then Y2K, the year 2000 happened, and it was a pretty rough year for me. Uh, right at the beginning of the year, uh, I was going this way, and she decided to go that way, and uh, she was gone, and uh, things were very sad, but more importantly, I lost my job in 2000, so I was kind of like unemployed. And then the most saddest thing of all is my Cocker Spaniel, my 12-year-old Cocker Spaniel died. And then Pastor Jim came up to me one night, and he's like, hey, Ty, like right when all this happened, he's like, I got this idea that I want to start a college and career class, and I want you to be the teacher. And I was like, um, I'm kind of busy, you know, I'm not sure that's right for me right now. 
I don't know if I've got enough time. Because, you know, I had to not walk my dog anymore, and I had to, you know, not go to work every day, and I had to not spend all my money at the uh, restaurants on the weekends on dates. So I was real busy. It was kind of a pathetic excuse, but I just wasn't ready at that point in my life to do that ministry, you know. I turned it down. And thankfully, I think uh, Andy and Maureen picked up the ball where I dropped the ball, and they taught that class for several years. And then just recently, maybe within the past five or so years, uh, Nathaniel and Diana and then Wade and Stacy are taking the College of Career class. And I'm so glad that they were able to do that when I wasn't able to do that way back in 2000. Uh, let's see. This morning, we're going to look at David and how he, unlike me, was able to answer God's call. When God called on him to step up, David was ready and I was not ready. It's kind of sad. But today, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to be reading a large portion here, uh, 1 through 13. So, But as a way to kind of review where we are in this passage, because it's kind of picking up in the middle. Uh, David was a shepherd boy, the son of Jesse, the youngest of several brothers. He lived in Bethlehem at the time. And at this time, uh, Saul was the king. He was the first king of Israel, and he was the only king so far. Uh, As we'll see, if you come back tonight at 5 o'clock, we're going to be talking about Saul in the chapter before this and how Saul kind of blew his chance at doing what God wanted him to do. Uh, If I had to pick between this morning's service and tonight's service, I would have told you to come tonight, not this morning, so you guys kind of lost out. If you can only come to one, come back tonight, so that should be pretty good for you. Uh, We pick up in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, getting directions from God, and I am getting old, so i got to get my eyeballs on. Here we go. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake. And came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming, saying, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he uh, he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For the man look for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are, there, are here all thy children? 
And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this passage and uh, Samuel and how we can learn from David's example about the right way to answer you when you call us to your service, Lord. I pray you'll be uh, with me as I speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we see that David was being called up you know, from the bench to do something amazing. He uh, was out in the field just minding his own business, and they're like, we need you in here. And the cool thing is, God calls every believer to service. So if you're in this room right now and you're saved, that means God is calling you about something right now. Keep your place here and go back to Revelation 3.20. Revelation 3, verse 20. This is Jesus Christ speaking. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. Jesus Christ is knocking on your heart's door saying, Let me in, let me in. When I was uh, in my former years, uh, back in the 1990s, I worked at a place called Zollinger's in Piqua. It was a delivery warehouse, and we would uh, you know, deliver ketchup and pickles to local places. And I went out with a guy named Norman. He was an older gentleman, and he, uh, he was trying to train me what restaurants to go to and, and stuff like that. So I go up to the front door of this one place, and I'm like, and Norman's like, what is that? He's like, you're a sissy or something? He's like, you got to knock like a man if you want these people to come to the door. And I was like, oh, okay. Like He's like, no, hold on. If you want to knock like a man, you open your hand like this, and you go. And you don't have to hit very hard, but just the large surface area makes it sound very loud. So he's up there, boom, 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 on this door. And people are like, what happened? Is there a car wreck? Is someone dying? He's like, oh, here's your package. <laughs> so I kind of imagine Jesus Christ standing on the door going, let me in. I'll come in and sup with you. And then you're, if, when you ignore it, he's like, let me in. It gets quieter and quieter. Not because he's not knocking, but because you're not and I'm not listening. And we need to make sure that we listen for God's call and we listen to God knocking on our hearts. It says here, uh, this is how Christ knocks at first. And we, if we sear our conscience, it gets harder and harder to hear. Now, as a Christian, you must choose to respond to the call of God. And your response, whether it's yes or no, will change the course of your life. And today, there's two things I want us to learn from David. Uh, and then tonight, I'm going to compare uh, what David did to Saul's response to the Lord's call. The first thing I want us to learn, if you're writing down notes or whatever, is that David was prepared. Okay, David was a young boy, but he was prepared for God to call on him. If we're going to be ready to serve God, we need to prepare our lives today so that we can answer him tonight. Not so we can answer him tomorrow. Not so we can answer him next week. Not so we can answer him when the pandemic's over. 
We need to be ready to answer him tonight. Uh, if we think through the people in the Bible, uh, the characters from uh, all different other kinds of stories, we see that Joseph was also ready to answer God's call. And if we turn to Genesis 50, verse 20, just a little history on Joseph. He was sold into slavery. He was sentenced to prison for a crime he didn't commit. And then uh, later on, he was able to save his entire family from a famine. And his brothers are the ones that sold him into slavery. And in verse 20 of chapter 50, this is Joseph's response to his brothers. He said, but as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. So Joseph turned that whole situation around and all those things prepared him to uh, be ready for God's call. Think about Moses. He was, you know, surrendered by his mom, raised by Pharaoh. And after 80 years of preparation, God finally used him to call the Israelites uh, to free them. If you go over a few more pages to Exodus chapter 3, verse 9. This is uh, Moses, God speaking to Moses. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of excuse me, Egypt. That was after 80 years. The Apostle Paul began his road, uh, began his preparation on the road to Damascus, when he was uh, saved, you know, that was his first step. And then he was blinded and was lost for three days without food or water on the road until Ananias answered the call of God and went out and kind of rescued Paul three days later. Um, and Paul wrote about that in Galatians 1. Let's turn there, Galatians 1, verse 17. Galatians 1, verse 17 and 18. 17 says, Neither when went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. So when we think about the apostle Paul, who is the Jew of all Jews, and he was like sitting under the feet of Gamaliel, and he studied and knew everything there was about Judaism, even he took three years to prepare himself for the ministries that were coming. I want to encourage you right now to prepare yourself for ministries that God may have for you. It says here, we also see a time in David's life as he learns lessons as a son, as a servant, and finally as a sovereign. The beginning of David's life was a time he used to prepare his heart. This gave him a strong foundation that David could use to become a mighty king. The foundations you lay now are critically important to how God uses you in the future. Uh, speaking of foundations, this is kind of a cool story that was in our book. Um, as of seven or eight years ago, the Sears Tower was the tallest building in the Western Hemisphere before they finished the uh, Freedom Tower, I think. Uh, the Sears Tower is like 110 stories high. 
It's 1,440 feet uh, to the top. And the foundation for that building goes down 100 feet. Can you imagine digging that hole? You need like a 10-story elevator to get out of the bottom of that hole. That is crazy. It's like all concrete down there. And then around it are 200 uh, circular pillars that reach down into the uh, bedrock that go down uh, far below the 100 feet. People walk by that building every day and don't think at all about the foundation. But if the foundation was too flimsy or if it was inadequate, the people would be thinking about it all the time as this building is going like this, you know, and it's ready to topple on them. If we have strong foundations, that might not be something people see or people appreciate, but when you don't have a strong foundation, people are going to know it, okay? They're going to know that's flimsy and that's, that's real floppy. Let's look at uh, two ways that David prepared a godly foundation for his life. Number one, he learned to know God. Turn to Psalms 8, Psalms chapter 8, verse 1. This is a psalm by David. And it's cool that we're learning about uh, Psalm 119 through pastor's regular study and to see uh, the life of David in some of his other psalms. He was just a godly man. Number one says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And verse 9 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. David knew who God was, and he appreciated um, and adored God for who he was. There's no doubt that David learned how great God is as a young boy tending his father's flock. So teens and young people, uh, cultivate a heart for learning about God now and build your foundation right now. Older people, adults, grandparents, and parents, uh, if you're no longer young, this is the perfect time for you also. And I just wanted to give a little bit of encouragement to the older folks in the audience. Think about it this way. Today you are the youngest you will ever be until the end of your life. <laughs> so... There's no better time than to start right now because this is the youngest you'll ever be, okay? So let's be like David. When David was still young, before his anointing, he was described as a man being after God's own heart. Uh, that's pretty cool. I thought that came later on when, uh, you know, he had done all his amazing things. But go to Samuel chapter 13, 1 Samuel chapter 13. If you kept your place in 16, it's only a couple pages before that. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. This is Samuel speaking the words of the Lord. Okay. Let's go back to 13 and read it. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly, thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. That's David. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. That's David. Because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So God thought David was a man after God's own heart before Samuel even anointed him as, uh, as the next king. So how well do you know God? 
Uh, there's an illustration I want to read from our book. Um, it goes like this. We may know sports figures. We may know their statistics. We may know their age or even their personal likes and dislikes. But in reality, however, do we really know them? Not really. We just know about them. We must be, we must be aware of saying that we know God in the same sense that we might know a sports celebrity. There's a great difference between knowing about God and actually knowing him. The first is simple knowledge, and the second is developed through a daily walk with him. So we don't have to just know about God. We don't have to stay in that tiny little baby step of just knowing about God. We can develop further and actually know God. And here's uh, three quick ways. Um, First of all, by reading his word. Obviously, God has put in the Bible all things about himself that he wants us to know. And if we learn, study, memorize it, we're going to be uh, more familiar with who he is. We can learn about God through prayer by changing our will through prayer to be more like his. And when our will matches his will, we know what his will is. And that's knowing more about God. And thirdly, we can develop our, uh, we can learn more about God by developing a, a daily walk with him and having that relationship and seeing how he comes through on things in our life that are, that are problems and that we pray about and we rely on him for as an aside, uh, the very first step to knowing God is to receive salvation from him through Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him as your Savior, then you don't know God at all, okay? Uh, the Bible says that all have sinned, the wages of sin is death, Christ died for us, he was buried, he rose again the third day, so that anyone that believes on him should be saved, and our debt has already been paid. All you have to do is accept by faith and receive him as our Savior, as your Savior. Uh, at the end of the service, uh, we have an invitation. If anyone wants to uh, learn more about that, you can come up here and at the end of the service see me or any one of the other leaders. Uh, the second thing David did to prepare, though, was he learned to use his gifts and his talents. He learned to use his gifts and his talents. You know, I thought I had a gift, too, when I was a, a kid. Uh, maybe it's just me, but maybe it's all the other guys. Like, you think, maybe I'm a superhero, you know? I mean, maybe no one told me that yet, and I have a superpower that I haven't discovered. Uh, one time I walked up to my friend's house, and I opened the door, and I ripped the doorknob off their door. I was probably about seven or eight. It was a junky old doorknob, but in my mind, I'm like, do I have super strength? You know, I thought I was, like, really ripping the door off like Superman. Well, there's this other superpower I had that I actually, my brother Kent is here. So, yeah, when he was very young, he ate an entire cheeseburger from McDonald's in one bite. It was unbelievable. So I was so impressed. I'm like five years older than him, and I was probably about nine, and he was like four. And I was like, how can a four-year-old eat that much meat and cheese and bread in one bite? So I was in fourth grade, and of course it was, uh, you know, grandparents' day. So there was grandmas everywhere. It was all up in our business while I'm trying to eat. And my friend right next to me, he's like, hey, you know what? If you can eat that grilled cheese sandwich in one bite, I'll give you a nickel. And I was like, I'm going to be rich. We're going we're gonna to get this done, right? Well, you don't really understand about these grilled cheese sandwiches at the school, though. It's like a little tiny cracker, piece of bread, a big thick chunk of government cheese, and then a little tiny other cracker that's like dry as the Sahara Desert. So I'm stuffing this thing in my mouth like this, and I got the whole thing in there. I'm like, it's done. All I got to do now is swallow. And the sandwich started to intermingle with the saliva. 
And the uh, cracker just took all the moisture out of my mouth and started feeding it to the cheese. And the cheese started swelling up. And I'm literally sitting here going like this. And I'm like, well, I just got to spit it on my plate. But there's all these grandmas, right? I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to do? This is very, this is bad manners right here. I got to figure out a way to make this a good manner kind of situation. So I open my chocolate milk that I haven't even touched yet. I pour it into my peas because I need somewhere to put the uh, grilled cheese sandwich. I spit the grilled cheese sandwich into the little container, fold it up, and then the only thing I had left to eat was my warm pear slices. So (laughs) I didn't get a nickel, and I wasn't full for the rest of the day. It was pretty sad. But I did discover that uh, eating something in one bite is not necessarily my superpower. Still kind of looking for what that is. I'm not sure. That's not the kind of gift we're talking about. Uh, we kind of think David, uh, when we think about David and his gifts, uh, I like to think about, uh, like, you know, his musical gifts. He played the harp for the king. You know, he was a valiant warrior. He led armies and destroyed many enemies of God and huge, uh, and huge battles. He honed these talents as a young boy. Uh, turn back to First uh, Samuel chapter 16, verse 18. It says, then answered one of the servants and said, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. So he's got a real good, uh, you know, resume here. Uh, that was just slightly after uh, we're our passage from this morning. So he's still a young man just getting anointed. And someone else noticed that he's a good player. He plays the instruments well. He's a mighty warrior. The fact that David sharpened his combat skills and his music skills and his bow staff skills gave him the opportunity to serve Saul later in life. The cool thing is God has given every believer skills. Even you guys in the front row. (laughs) They're all like, God. Keep your place here and turn to Proverbs 18. Girls only like guys that have skills. Proverbs 18, verse 16. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. A man's gift maketh room for him. When people need someone who's got talent, they're going to make room for that person. You know, like, oh, Bob, you get out. We need Tom to come in here or whatever it is. You know, uh, they're going to make room for you. And when you have a gift and you're ready to use it for the Lord, God is going to make room for something for you to do. Uh, and that's what David, he had these uh, gifts in his life that he was honing, and God made him into the king of Israel. Uh, it says, it doesn't say when a man finally gets a gift after years and years of bumbling. It says you already have a gift, uh, now make room for it. Matthew 25, turn to Matthew 25. Verse 25, I skipped the line, that's why I started. God will hold us accountable for what he has given us, though. If we have a gift... And we're not using it. God is going to hold us accountable. Matthew 25, 25 says, let's see here. This is the story about the master who gave his 
servants different amounts of money or talents, and they went out and they did different things with them. And when the master returns, he wants his money back plus all the money he made from them using his money. And verse 25 says, And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there though thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. So he thought it was good enough to just keep his talents hidden, to keep him safe. But the master expected to, for him to use them for the master's gain. And that's the same with God. God expects us to use our talents for his gain. If we do not use the talents God has given us, he may take them and give them to another believer. I have a story here in uh, the book. It goes like this. It is said that the great violinist Nicola Paganini willed his violin to Genoa, the city of his birth, with one condition. It must never be played. Unfortunately, the wood from which the instrument was crafted began to decay because it was not regularly handled. Thus, the exquisite violin that once sang beautiful, mellow tones under Paganini's touch soon began to deteriorate while on display. The once priceless instrument, now worthless, holds a lesson for us. Our gifts are only valuable when they're being used. So cultivate your talents, develop your skills when God calls you to use them. Use them as best you know how. Okay, so first we learned that David was prepared. Uh, Next, I want you to see on my second and last point that David was dedicated. Uh, Preparation is really quite useless unless you're dedicated to using the preparation. So from faithful church attendance to leading people to Christ, we need to be dedicated to the task God has called us to do. Can you imagine David spending hours practicing his sling, and then when confronted with a lion, he goes and runs away? Or can you imagine that uh, he practices his harp day and night, and then the uh, king of Israel asks him to play in his court, and he's like, no thanks. Or can you imagine uh, David, someone asking David to teach the college and career class, and then David telling him he's too busy, you know? It's not cool. Uh, don't do that. Uh, dedication is such an important thing for us. So we need, uh, our study book describes it like this. Ah, you're going to like this one. Bertoldo is a name even the most enthusiastic lover of art is unlikely to recognize. He was the pupil of Donatello, the greatest sculptor of his time. And he was the teacher of Michelangelo, the greatest ninja turtle of his time. I mean, the greatest sculptor of his time, of all time. Michelangelo was only 14 years old when he came to Bertoldo, but it was already obvious that he was enormously gifted. Bertoldo was wise enough to realize that gifted people are often tempted to coast rather than to grow. And therefore, he kept trying to pressure his young prodigy to work seriously at his art. One day, he came into the studio to find Michelangelo toying with a piece of sculpture far beneath his abilities. 
Bertoldo grabbed a hammer, stomped across the room, and smashed the work into tiny pieces, shouting this unforgettable message. Michelangelo, talent is cheap, dedication is costly. Okay, so unless we're dedicated to something, all of our preparations aren't going to be used. David exemplified dedication in his life as a young man. And I want to share two ways that he was dedicated. Uh, The first way, he was diligent on the job. David was a diligent guy. Being diligent in your job, whatever the job is, gives uh, gives others a reason to use you for more and more. Important work. I remember a time when I was younger where I had to be extra diligent. Um, I mentioned Norman and the guy who helped me out with the delivery knocking. It was the same job that I had. I was on my way over to Greenville. Uh, Just as a little background, we had two vans at this company. Well, we had a box truck that only had heat only, so you couldn't turn the heat off. It was smoking hot in there. And then we had a brand-new 1996 Dodge cargo van with no windows, except the front, obviously. And uh, (laughs) it was great. Air conditioner was ice cold, and it was a great day when you got to drive in that van. So I packed up the van. It was my day to have it. And I'm heading out to Greenville, and we had to pack our own boxes, make sure everything was secure. And I pull up to a stoplight a little too fast, slowed down a little bit, and this tub, like a one-gallon plastic jar of French dressing, tipped over in slow motion, hit the side, and the big plastic lid like this blew off. And French dressing went everywhere. Oh, sorry about that. French dressing went everywhere, and... Uh, It started sliding back into the packages. And I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to do? So I reached down, and I'm, like, scooping up the French dressing with my hands, and I'm putting putting it back in a jar. I'm like, they'll never notice. They'll never notice. And uh, it slides onto the packages. I'm like, oh, no, everyone's going to get, like, French dressing-smelling packages. This is not a good look for our company. So I start throwing. Well, I can't do it with French dressing on my hands, so I wipe my hands on my shirt like this, grab the packages. I'm throwing them in the back. After about three or four minutes, I finally get everything cleaned up the best I could. And I'm like, all right, well, I look across the street. There's a, there's a gas station over there. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll just, you know, hop into the restroom over there, wash up, and then I'll be on my way. And I look down, and I have, like, French dressing from here to here. And, like, it's all over my arms like this. And I'm like, it looks like I just had a massacre in here. I can't go into the gas station. They're going to take me away to jail in a half an hour. So I'm like, what am I going to do? So I, packed, I, uh, I got in the van, and I drove all the way from Greenville back to Houston to get back to our house and so I could hose off. And while I'm driving, my hands are all greasy, right? And the steering wheel's getting slippery, and my uh, hangnails are starting to burn from the acid in the dressing. And I hate French dressing now. <laughs> I hate it. That van smelled like French dressing for two years. And then I quit, and it probably still smells like French dressing to this day. So if you like French dressing, you can keep that to yourselves. Um, it was a thing I had to do, though. I had to get it done. And I, actually, I got back to Greenville, delivered all my packages, and got back to the uh, uh, Piqua base by 4 o'clock closing time. So that was good because they never asked me any questions. <laughs> I said, oh, I kind of broke this uh, jar of $3 French dressing. I'm like, all right, it's good. Never got in trouble. David was diligent, too, though. Uh, his main responsibility as a boy was shepherding. Probably kind of boring for the most part, you know? You're out there sitting on a log, watching sheep eat. 
<laughs> a career, it's a career with not much opportunity. Uh, there's not much promotional advancements. You could be the uh, head shepherd. And you could be your own boss. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, David's own brother scorned him, but David took the job seriously. He was willing to put his life on the line for his sheep. Turn to 1 Samuel 17. Verse 34. 1 Samuel 17, verse 34. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and, the, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. When I read that David caught the bear or the lion by the beard and slew him, that's when I shaved. So uh, you might not recognize me from last week. <laughs> it was uh, pretty... Actually, we're doing some skits with Justin Yo, And one of the skits that we're trying to do, I'm not sure it's going to go well since he's at a wedding today, uh, instead of helping me film them. I had to have a long beard, so beside the point. Back to the lesson. David learned diligence. He, we need to be like David in this regard. Whatever God has given you to do, do it with all diligence, whether the task is big or small. Turn to Ecclesiastes 9.10, please. Ecclesiastes 9.10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Ecclesiastes. All right, here it is. Now we got 9.10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. There is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. So whatever you're doing right now for the Lord, do it with everything you've got. Luke 16.10. Turn to Luke 16.10. Luke 16.10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Be faithful in the little things in your life, and God will entrust you with bigger and bigger things. Uh, The second way David showed his dedication, besides uh, being diligent, he he fulfilled his responsibilities. David's responsibilities to keep his sheep and take food to his brothers were menial tasks. Even his oldest brother, Eliab, questioned David's motives of bringing food to the battle. Back to Isaiah 17, or sorry, 1 Samuel 17. First Samuel 17, 28. And Eliab, the eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Uh, Eliab was getting on 
his case. He must have thought the responsibilities were too insignificant for David. However, David did remain faithful to his duty, and we can see a commitment to fulfill his responsibility in uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 11. So turn back a, a page. Or two. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all the children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Uh, when God calls someone to be... Oh, I'm sorry. Back it up. David was keeping sheep. Later, David was commanded to take cheese and bread to his brothers. And in his leave of absence, he found a caretaker for his sheep. 1 Samuel 17, verse 17. And Jesse said unto David, his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn, and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. And look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. So David knew that he had these sheep to look after, but his dad wanted him to do this other thing. He was very diligent. He fulfilled his responsibilities, and he found a keeper to watch the sheep in his stead. When God calls us to do something you know, for him, like let's say, for example, I went into the college and career class as the teacher uh, way back when, uh, it wouldn't mean that I never had to uh, you know, read the Bible anymore or I didn't have to share the gospel with my friends anymore uh, because I was doing teaching. God wants us to do all of those responsibilities that we're doing now, and he's got more for us planned even further than that. This uh, doesn't mean you can relinquish your other responsibilities. Stay at your post. And time after time from his youth to the end of his life, David listened to and answered God's directives. David was prepared, and David was dedicated in his life. Are you prepared? Are you dedicated in your life to serve God? I hope so. Uh, there's three things that I want to just wrap up with before we close. Uh, think about these in, the upcom- in your upcoming week. Number one, do you know God is your Savior? You know, uh, Are you saved? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? If not, come forward, like I said earlier, and we can talk to you up front after the service. Uh, but don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. The second thing I want you to think about, if you are saved, are you spending time to get to know God better? I really hope so. I hope this is a challenge to say, you know, David was ready for when God called. Uh, Mr. Ty wasn't ready for when God called. And uh, I want to be more like David than, than Mr. Ty. So I hope you're more like David in that regard and you get to know him better. Number three, are you preparing yourself for a calling from God? Especially you young kids. Are you preparing yourself right now for the next phase of your life where you could be serving God Uh, and doing amazing things for him. He is always looking for someone to serve him. Be willing and prepare yourself to be able. And most importantly, when he asks, say yes. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, this account from David and how we see how uh, he was ready, he was able, he was prepared to serve you.